Good morning, Impact Church. How are you doing? Woo! Awesome. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I love being with my family, right? This is the best family. If you knew my real family, you'd know I really appreciate my church family. No, just kidding, just kidding. I'm glad this is not going out live. Can we edit this before next Sunday, Thomas? Yes. No, definitely love you guys. Uh, I love birthdays. So I love it when people text me like Sunday morning say, or Saturday evening and say, I got a, got a birthday I want to celebrate. And she's not even paying attention, Linda. Linda Trent, happy birthday. Yes, Linda Trent, stand up so we can all celebrate. It's your birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old you are. You know how old you are. But I know you look beautiful, like 23 years old is what I guess. So happy birthday to her and her. She has a twin, so they're celebrating their birthday today. So wish Linda a happy birthday today, and she's looking great. Uh, also, we want to talk about next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're having our, our carnival-themed family fun night at the pool. So we're going to be meeting at Wildwood Pool. And just, so, just a clarification... This is, a, this is a church family event. So we do, you know, we do the Easter egg hunts and we do the trunk or treats. This is more of a family-focused, oriented, small event, you know, that our, we can get together. And as a church, we're not necessarily serving the community as much as we're in this, in this pool party. We're, we're getting to know each other better. So as a church, we feel like as a family, we need to have opportunities to talk and to meet with each other and to share uh, what we're doing. Wow, that's a lot louder. <laughs> but uh, so this is, a, this is an opportunity. If you want to say, hey, I've been to church a lot, but I really haven't got to meet a lot of people. These are the events that we want you to come and get a chance to talk. So our focus is not so much serving like at the extreme hunt. Everybody's in action serving the vis visitors that are coming to the event. This is one of those moments where you're actually coming in order to, your focus is meeting other people within the church family and talking with them and getting to know them and sharing numbers so you can meet, maybe, maybe kickstart a life group. You know, you're talking at this pool party next Sunday and say, hey, man, I sure would like to do some type of life group surrounded around mechanics, working on motors, right? How many men would like to do that, right? So this is an opportunity for you to talk and, and get to know each other. So next Sunday at Wildwood Pool, we're having a carnival-themed family fun night. We're having hot dogs. We're having sides and, and things like that. It's from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. So next Sunday, put on your calendar, Sunday night, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock, Wildwood Pool. If you need directions, just come see us. We'll probably have something on the website that would show, you know, the, the event and where the location is. But it's off of 460. If you know where 7-Eleven is, back in that neighborhood. But uh, just see us if you need details. We'll make sure you get there. And the exciting part, too, is we have in baptisms. That's, you know, that's why we use the pool, too, is uh, we're having a baptism service during that family fun night. And there's no more fun than to see a, a new believer, a child of God, Stand up and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of him. He is Lord of my life. And so we're having baptism. We're having teenagers that uh, are excited about this. Right, Danny? Right? And so we're having teenagers baptized. Last Sunday after church, I had a young lady who's a Liberty student come to me, and she says, I want to be baptized because she heard an announcement last week. So she's going to be baptized next week. And so it's an exciting time. So you don't want to miss this. 
So come out. This is also our opportunity. We are doing a service project with this. We're filling backpacks. We got 50 backpacks we want to fill. So bring your 50 backpacks. Not everybody, but we coordinate together as a church. We're doing 50 backpacks. 25 backpacks go to Thomas Jefferson Elementary School. That's where we started our church at Thomas Jefferson Elementary School. And then 25 backpacks are for Jefferson Forest High School. So 25 backpacks for TJ and 25 backpacks for JF. And we got on our website this week, you'll see the list of things. On our Facebook page, we've already posted like crayons, pencils, uh, mechanical pencils, uh, spiral notebooks, composition notebooks. So look on our Facebook page now if you want to look at it. But also this week, we'll have it on our website. Our website is impactforest.org. Impactforest.org. Look on our website. You'll see all our details of our announcements, our building projects. Um, life groups are coming up. So you'll see details about dates and groups you can be a part of. But you'll ha we'll have that list of what things need to be put in a backpack. And it'd be awesome. Why not do more than 50, right? And we, as this church, when we did the Operation Christmas Child, we started like with 25, then 100, and then last year we did like 200. So this church is known for doing above and beyond what we're asked to do because we want to make sure there's no need that goes unmet. So that's going on. Uh, actually, right now, Rick Kennedy. Rick has, uh, he's, our, he's our setup, teardown guru, so he's going to announce him about that. All right, thank you. So uh, welcome to Impact Church. Uh, some of you, this might be your first time here. We are so glad you're here. And if you don't know much about our church, we're in transition. Uh, we have the property over on 811 that's in the process of getting the multi-purpose building uh, put up. So we are temporarily here at JF High School. And so this week, uh, the teardown is going to be the same. Um, all I need you to do is the end of the service is just stack your chairs. All right, now uh, just leave them where they are stacked. Don't, don't drag them uh, because the janitors just did the wax on the floor uh, the week before. Uh, but we'll pull all those chairs to the back. Now, uh, next week or the following week, we will start setting the cafeteria back up, which all of the tables will have to be brought out and set up in their rows and all the chairs will be under that. So that's getting ready to happen. The other thing that did happen this week is um, our kids' ministry now has to tear down uh, because the teachers are coming back. All the classrooms are going to start to be used from the kids' ministry. And so um, if you have kids in the kids' ministry, if you, when you go up there, if you want to help them, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, all of the rolling closets are going to have to be rolled out the um, back end and through the auditorium. We have a uh, trailer out here. So if you are in the kids' ministry or you have uh, children in the kids' ministry and you want to help them, that would be a great way uh, to maybe help them a little bit uh, with that. Our setup group this morning was the biggest we probably ever had. It was amazing. We were set up in less than an hour. Uh, everything, the stage, all the chairs, the sound. So uh, what a blessing uh, for that. So please um, participate, be involved if you can. We would love to have you. Uh, and we appreciate that. And again, all the visitors, all the first-time people, uh, welcome to Impact. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you, all your getting that coordinated so we can have this set up right. Justin Forrest, we've talked to them. We, uh, I always like to check with uh, how they like the way we're treating the facilities. And they say we love it. 
They say they're not excited about praying for us to move to our own church building. They're kind of like, stay as long as you want because we love the way you take care of our facilities and you have been great here at the high school. And so I uh, appreciate you guys. And we, when we came in here, we came in with a mission to make this place better because we were here than before we were here. So we've done a great job with different projects around the school. So appreciate you doing that. Uh, one quick uh, little announcement. Life groups are going to come up in September. So this is, we're getting into August. So I'd like to start organizing what life groups are going to start taking place in September. So if you're interested in hosting a life group or leading a life group, uh, just reach out to me and talk to me. Uh, you can catch me after church. Uh, that way you can, if you want to host, we have people who want to host it at their house but they need help with somebody leading it, teaching the lesson. And so we coordinate that. So if you want to host and say, hey, I have a house that I think would be great for a life group, uh, come and use my house, but I need some help with somebody leading it. Well, I'll coordinate the host with a leader and, and y'all can get started. Uh, we have some life groups that have not stopped. Men's Bible study on Saturdays. John Pennington has a group with Collison and other guys that meet every Saturday. So every Saturday, what time? Eight o'clock? 8 o'clock every Saturday morning over at the uh, Source 4 buildings. We call it the weight room. So if you're a man, you want to get a Bible study every Saturday morning. They meet and they have a great group that meets every. Uh, we have Jerry Crope, Never Stops. Uh, he goes throughout the year, I think every other Thursday with the study through Acts. And so, so we get, want to get you plugged in. So we want to build community because that's what the church is all about, is supporting one another, encouraging one another, loving each other. Because guess what, guys? Uh, churches, we know that there's going to be a great day of celebration one day, right? When we get to go to heaven and we get to see Jesus face to face. There's going to be a great day of celebration we all have in front of us. And I'm looking forward to it. But until then, we have a journey to make. And that journey sometimes gets hard. It gets real hard sometimes. And when that journey gets hard, we need each other, right? There's not one person in this room that God designed to do this life by yourself. God designed each and every one of you to do life with others, to do it with family, to do it with friends. So we need each other. Um, this week was a tough week. Um, uh, if you know Tom McFadden, you know he's an awesome man. If you ever talk to him, he'd make you feel like the most important person in the room. But Tom McFadden lost his battle with the medical illness, and he passed away this week. And so um, just pray for Carrie McFadden and her family. Uh, uh, send your support and encouragement to her and her prayers. They're having a celebration of life tomorrow uh, evening uh, at Iron and Ale. Uh, so they can close Iron and Ale early. And then from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock, they're meeting at Iron and Ale to have a, a celebration of life for Tom McFadden. So if you've ever met him, uh, you know he's a, just an amazing guy. Uh, but just go support Carrie and the family and, and just... Uh, show some honor and respect to Tom and, and, and how he impacted some of us in so many different ways. So, so guys, we go through this, right? And as a church family, we need each other because loss is, is tough and you're never supposed to face it by yourself. So uh, I'm, I'm a pastor that loves to, if you got something going on and you just don't know who to talk to, you don't want to talk to a group of people, you just want to talk to one person, reach out and talk to me, you know, catch me at the end of service, give me your number, um, uh, I would love to talk with you and walk with you through any kind of situation you got. That's what we're here for. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I love you. 
I thank you for this church family. We love each other. We support each other. We encourage one another. And we walk through, t- uh, through life together. And Father, we just pray that you just, uh, as a church family, you continue to put your hand of blessing on us. Because we need you. You're the one that gives us our strength. You're the one that gives us our peace. The one that gives us our love that's beyond all measure. Father, when we are empty and when we're weak, you're full and you're strong. And God, I thank you for this church that truly believes in you. And Father, I just thank you so much for a pastor that leads us and Brad uh, leads us through the word of God. Because in the word of God, there is power for us. Because we hear your voice. And sometimes in a dark valley, it's important to hear your voice so we can continue to go in the right direction. So we may not be able to see your hand, but we can always trust your heart. And we follow after you as we listen to your voice. So Father, I just pray for uh, the McFaddens, Carrie McFadden and, and all their family right now as they're dealing with the sudden loss of of Tom and, and Father, just uh, comfort them, strengthen them, uh, just bless them with your presence. Has the church family helped us, help us to support and encourage Carrie and the family and, and just bless them any way we can, Father. And Father, you got provide your comfort to them. And tomorrow, during the celebration of life, you know, I know all the employees at Iron and Nail love Tom and, and he was a, a big part of their life. And I just pray this opportunity tomorrow night as we celebrate Tom's life that we also share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and uh, those employees hear that, and, and friends and families come and hear that, and even in Tom's death, uh, that you would just, uh, just have Jesus Christ glorified, and somebody realize that, hey, it's important now, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, uh, now is the day of salvation, now is the day for me to make the decision uh, to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. So we ask your blessings on that Celebration Life service, and comfort, and strength, and you would be glorified. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good to be with you this morning in worship. Let's all stand together as we sing to our Father today. Say hey. 
This next song we'd love to share together is a, a new song that we learned uh, the last couple of weeks called uh, Firm Foundation. Let's join our hearts together as we sing this together.
say amen to that? Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Amen. Looking to be transformed today through the power of the Lord and the work of His truth and His Spirit in our lives. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How are you guys doing? All right. Hope you're excited to be in the house of the Lord this Sunday. Every day is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I think it should be more than once a week myself, but uh, it is what it is. So welcome this morning. If you're searching for a church home, a place to get plugged in, uh, a place to belong and call home, man, we hope the Lord would just lead you right here. And this would be your last stop, your last shop um, if you're looking for a church home. God's doing an amazing work. We would love for you and your family, your friends to be a part of what God is doing here through Impact Church. And if you're looking for a place that uh, stands on the word of the Lord, preaches it unapologetically, does not sugarcoat or water down the word of God, then you're in the right place. So welcome to Impact Church this morning. All right, amen. So a um, few things to touch base on before we dive in. One, of course, uh, Tim already alluded to in the announcements is uh, the passing of Tom McFadden this week. Uh, so everybody rally around Carrie and the family and all the uh, Iron and Ale staff. I was just over there this morning speaking again for a little mini church service for the fourth Sunday uh, here and was able to uh, share some hope with them in this time. So be in prayer over them. Um, also, I just got uh, word that an um, American uh, missionary family and a Christian nurse uh, from New Hampshire has been kidnapped in Haiti as of Thursday morning. Uh, her and her uh, young child um, were taken by gang members. Uh, so be in prayer for, for that situation. Uh, the husband's over there. Um, and, of course, he's without um, some of his family in an uncertain, scary situation. So just be in prayer over all of that. Also, uh, a third annual, um, this is a New Day suicide awareness ride, uh, motorcycle ride is taking place, uh, sponsored, I think, by uh, Celebrate Recovery and Broken Chains uh, Motorcycle Ministry. Um, it's going to be on Saturday, October 7th, just so you can save the day. 
uh, out of Peaksview Park at 10 a.m. If you have any other questions, we'll announce it a, a once a month or so up till then. But see uh, Ed Bogart and uh, any of the CR folks about that. And then also have some, uh, we always have special people. Everybody's special in here, but we have some really special people today that have moved here from Maine, and they wouldn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to single them out. And uh, they uh, felt the Lord calling them to Virginia, uh, a guy that's close to my heart. We've been friends for a long time, uh, both in uh, physical therapy and also in ministry. Um, he did a lot of the power source ministry alongside me, um, and God's really used him in, in his life. And uh, him and his wife have moved here from Maine. Um, feeling the Lord calling them to Virginia, and specifically now as uh, the Lord laid the story of Impact Church and what God has done and what he is doing, um, it just really uh, uh, sparked their heart to be a part of uh, this family here. So um, I'm not going to make you stand, but if you can raise your hand, they're up front. They're, the, uh, they're not the backseat Baptists, y'all, you know what I'm saying? They're up front here where they can get the spit and all that kind of stuff going on. So that's Randy and April Dodge. So uh, make them feel welcome in, uh, today as well. So thank you guys for being here. All right. All right, guys. So uh, diving right in, continuing in our Barrier Breakers series, and we've been going through a lot of stuff that each and every single one of us deal with on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, either past, present, or future, and today's no different. So I'm going to start today uh, with a question or a riddle, if you will, and it's not going to be much of a riddle because it's going to be really obvious what the answer is, all right? But what is 0.143 pounds is trapped by teeth and lips, and when it's unleashed and uncontrolled, can do more damage to relationships, churches, children, marriages, and lives than anything else on our bodies. You got it. It's the tongue. So today we're going to be talking, and the title of the message is about taming the tongue. It's said in uh, statistics, I looked some things up, that on average, people have 30 conversations a day. 30 conversations a day. That, that's a lot of talking. I don't know if I have 30 a day. Maybe if you... Uh, can include text message and email now. It's probably like 300. I don't know, especially about everything going on. But it's said that men speak 7,000 words a day and women speak 20,000 words a day. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger, all right? I don't know why that is. Says that by the time our life is over, the average person will spend 30% of their waking hours talking. of your waking life, where you're awake and not asleep, you will spend wagging your tongue and talking. And what we're going to see is, biblically, and we probably already know some of this, but the words that we speak say a lot about who we are, but more specifically, it says a lot about what's going on inside of our hearts and our lives. If anybody's a, a runner or maybe you've played uh, basketball or done something, you're familiar with shin splints, right? Man, there's some painful things, and, uh, you know, you get this pain in the front of your shin, and, and you can't walk, and, and, and you can't run or jump, and it just really hurts. And, and, and so there's a lot of things you can do to treat those symptoms and, and get things better if it's just a shin splint. But see, if it's not just shin splint and there's something else going on called a stress fracture, then all the treatment and remedy and stuff that you're trying to do to get rid of your shin splints are never going to work. You know why? Because there's something deeper going on that needs to be healed, right? So what do you have to do to diagnose a stress fracture? 
You've got to have something that goes behind the scenes and shows what's going on underneath. An x-ray, even an x-ray doesn't always show a stress fracture. CT scans, MRIs, something that really goes down deep and shows a very detailed picture of the problem that lies underneath. Then and only then, once that issue is brought to the surface, can it be properly treated and healed? And then the symptoms that you were just trying to mask and, and, and rub some Bengay on and stretch and do everything else, then all those things, all those symptoms that you had will take care of itself because the real problem now is getting ready to be healed. Guys, that's what God wants to do in our life. So many times, you and I, we get caught up in treating symptoms. We, we get in the do's and the don'ts and the, and the try to be better, try to do this, try to stop these habits, try to do this. When God wants us to take a break and say, whoa, 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 if you'll let me get underneath the hood, go behind the scenes and show you and expose to you what's lying underneath that's really going on, then all these other symptoms you're wrestling with and dealing with are going to take care of itself. And one of those today is the tongue that we're going to talk about. So what if God provided us a spiritual tool, a spiritual x-ray, MRI, if you will, to go below the service and show us what's really going on? What would that do for you emotionally, relationally, spiritually, if you really knew all of that? So now you can go underneath, behind the scenes, and you can see the heart, your own heart. You can see what's really going on, why the, the habits and the symptoms have been rising to the surface for so long in your life that you can't just get a grip on and you can't get a control. And now you see the underlying stress fracture in the heart that God wants to heal. And then that's where real change, authentic change, lasting change takes place. So therefore, you're not treating the symptoms of an outburst of anger here, a failed relationship here, and um, Addiction here, trashy talking here, negative and destructive thinking here. Now you're behind the scenes and God's doing a transforming work from the inside out. That's what God wants to do. He's provided that. We're going to see scripturally here. He's provided that spiritual x-ray MRI machine partially, believe it or not, with our tongue. Because our tongue can do a lot of good if it's under control, but it can also do a lot of bad. And when a lot of bad is coming out, it shows that there's a problem underneath that's causing the symptoms we see at the surface. So we're going to go in God's word today. We're going to take a journey on what it looks like to allow the tongue to be the x-ray machine of our heart and let God do a transforming work as we tame the tongue. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, it's the reason why we're here, to worship you, to glorify you, to magnify you, Lord, to lift your name high. But Lord, we want to do it with more than our lips. Lord, we want to do it with our lives. So Lord, we pray, Father, today as we dive into your word, your truth, your word to us on situations, on, on life circumstances and things that we all wrestle with and deal with, Lord, would you work, Lord, today through your word? And Lord, I pray against any scheme of the enemy today to want to give anybody a message of condemnation and you've messed up and you're worthless and you're nothing. Father, that is of the enemy and that is not what you do. 
Lord, your word is going to bring a healthy conviction through this where we need change, where you want to do a work in our heart and life. And then, Lord, through your spirit, like a loving heavenly father, you're going to wrap your arms around us just like we do our own children and guide them in a direction that's healthy and life-giving and life-changing. Lord, that's what we desire from your word today. Father, so we praise you in advance for what you're about to do, and you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here we go. So hope the, the, the intro was uh, explanatory enough, but I want to kind of, before we dive into our passage of scripture, we're going to dig out in James chapter three. We're all familiar with an iceberg, right? It's for the Titanic and all that kind of stuff. And I think the picture made its way up. I don't know if I got it to the tech team soon enough, but here it is. Yep. So we got a picture of an iceberg and it said that with an iceberg, only 10% is at the surface and 90% is underneath. Guys, today, that's very much like what we just talked about and the symptoms and stuff in our life, that on the surface of that iceberg is what we see. That's our actions. That's the words we speak. But that's just a result of the 90% that really lies underneath, and that comes from our mind and our heart. And there's a lot of subcategories you could put under there, like your thinking and your attitude and all that stuff. But ultimately, it comes down to your mind and your heart. Because our minds need to be transformed, and God gives us a new heart. And together with that, through the work of his spirit, then the actions and the words on top change. But if they don't, if we're left to our own sinful desires, our own depravity with our mind and, and, and the sinfulness of this world and our depravity of our flesh and, and our heart is desperately wicked above all things, the Bible tells us if we leave that, then the actions and the words on top will never change. And they'll always be what they are. So God longs to do a work, here's the key, underneath. This is not a message today about try harder, bad person, stop talking this way, no, 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 shame, shame, shame. That's not it. This is a message, a healthy message from our Lord to do a radical transforming work in our hearts, in our lives, our families, in our church. And therefore, if he can do all that there, he'll change our community. I believe that wholeheartedly. It starts with us. Disciples, followers of Jesus, let God do the work in us first. All right. So the tongue, x-ray machine of our mind and heart. Basically, you want to know what's in your heart, what issues there are, your tongue will show you. We're going to see that. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 6. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Translation, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Just think about that. The heart's full of bitterness and anger, discouragement, fear, anxiety. All that's going to come out in how we talk. And what we're going to see is that talk will guide our life. So turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And we're going to see that this tongue is a powerful tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. And we need to let God do a transforming work in our hearts and our lives from the inside out and then and only then will what's coming out of our mouth and our tongue change. And then our lives change. So let's read this together. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Man, underline, highlight that verse. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths 
that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. A lot in there, and I think the Lord pretty clearly speaks that. But let's look at that, and let's dig this out so we have complete application and understanding today. First of all, verse 1, specifically talking about those who preach, those who teach the Word of God, said, not everybody should do that. Why? Because there's stricter judgment for those who do so. And we've, t- we've talked about that, and we, we've known that, and we've seen that, all the way down to um, saying that it's not just for, for the vocation of pastor. It's not just that you have a, a spiritual gift to, to speak in public speak. It's not just that, that you have um, the, uh, the knowledge or ability that you've been to seminary. That doesn't make you a pastor. It's about character and right living and then an accountability with the word of God. That's the big one. It's the accountability with the word of God. And and that comes about what we speak and what we teach because we've said, and we'll say it again, there's a lot of preachers and a lot of churches all across America and all across the world that leave holes all in this Bible. They will say, yeah, we preach the Bible because they preach something out of the Bible, but they don't preach the whole Bible. They're not going to dig deep and, and go down to the things that really God can use to what it's supposed to do, and that's teach, rebuke, correct, and train in all righteousness. That's what God wants to do with his word. And it starts from the shepherding pulpit. Make no mistake. You want to know where the failure in America has happened? Yes, families, we can point a lot of fingers in a lot of different directions and all the evil that's going on. But you know where I feel that we started to fail many years ago? And that's preachers standing in the pulpit wanting to tickle ears and make more members in bigger buildings and not preach the word of God. And that's where it starts. And they will be held accountable. Ezekiel 3 is very clear on that. Go back and read that about the watchman. And he, Jesus told Ezekiel, said, man, you go, you go preach to them. They ain't going to want to hear what you got to say. But I want you to do it anyway. Because you know what? If you don't do it, and they still, they'll be responsible for their sin. But if they die in their sin because you didn't preach it, then the blood's also on your hands. There's a lot of preachers with blood on their hands today. And it's a very sad thing. So James knew that this kind of vocation of church work was becoming increasingly popular today and so hence he's warning about the seriousness of the responsibility because we have a responsibility but then too it gets back down into the specificity of this tongue and what we're going to dig out today 
So verse 2, we kind of get this glaring principle starting that's going to go through the end of the passage, and it's this. If you want to write down an overwhelming take-home kind of principle today from God's Word, is control your tongue and control your life. (laughs) If you control your tongue, you can control your life. And what we're going to see is we can't control our tongue by ourselves. Again, it goes back to the heart and giving God control, and then through that, our tongue is controlled. All right? So there's an underlying kind of subscript there if you want to put under that. But control of our tongue shows control of our life. All right? So the, as we already said, only things that come out of our, our, our mouth are out of our heart. So if we can get to the point, what James is saying here that we just read, if we can get to the point where everything that comes out of our mouth is honoring to God and uplifting to people, then we are spiritually mature and complete. That word perfect there means mature, complete, something's finished, all right? So there's the, the litmus test, if you will, and we'll never achieve that, especially not on our own. Matter of fact, none of us will even, even through Christ's work in our life, because we still are in the flesh, we're going to mess up. It's, we're never going to be perfect in this matter, but we can strive to be more like Christ in every single way, every single day. Amen? Even though we know we're not going to be perfect till the glorified body one day, then, then and only then will we be perfect. But until then, we continuously need to be going through the process of sanctification. That's where God's changing us from the inside out day by day, week by week, word by word. That's right. That's what God wants to do. So there's our principle. All right? And this word here for stumble, this Greek word, uh, points to not a fatal fall, but a, a moral or spiritual failure, something that kind of trips us up and hinders our progress, all right? So it says all of us are going to stumble. We know that, all right? So, but inside of that, there's an, there's an idea, there's a heart, a mindset, if you will, in a true, authentic follower of Christ that longs to be different, that longs to be more like Christ, and that's the work of the Lord in us. We can't even take credit for that desire. That's the Spirit of God in us, moving us that direction in discipleship, all right? So James even includes himself in this. Did you catch that? All right? He didn't didn't just point to other people. It says, we, we all stumble in many things, in many ways, all right? But he didn't give an excuse for it. He didn't say, ah, it's okay, we're all sinners, saved by grace. Praise God, grace, 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 hyper grace, hyper grace. We can just live like we want, say what we want, live like we want, and grace will abound. No. Paul was very specific about that. Should we sin more so that grace abounds? Absolutely not. We should let the Spirit of the Lord work in us and do a work that only he can get credit for, right? And he will do that. He is faithful to do that. So we get this, this moving uh, of the spirit, and we're talking about this. So, so what is the, the marker, all right? What is it that's going to show us that we're in a closer walk with the Lord? It's not that you've been a Christian for 20 years. That's not it. It's not your church attendance. It's not that you taught Sunday school. It's not that you completed a Bible degree. It's not that you planted a church. It's not that you've led other people to Christ. What is it? It's that you and your heart and your life are controlled by the Lord in such a way that your tongue is tamed. And what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of my mouth is only edifying to others and glorifying to the Lord. It's the litmus test. 
And the reason it is, and is, is very clear, is because it takes an extreme denial of self and submission to the Lord to let him do a controlling work in our heart and life for this to take place. And that's what James is saying here. He said, if you're able to control your tongue, then you can control the whole body. Did you see that? And what is that talking about? It means if you've, if you've come to the place where every day we're denying self, we're taking up our cross and following Jesus. I'm not trying to find my own life so I lose it. I'm trying to lose my life for Christ's sake so I find it. If I'm living this out, if I'm Galatians 2.20, uh, I've been crucified with Christ so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave his life for me. If I can do that and I can come to this point, and God controls my tongue, then it's proof. What is uh, James saying about the rest of the body is controlled? Now that's proof that, man, if I can control my tongue, then I definitely have my lusts under control. <laughs> I definitely have my, my uh, other passions, character, other things that God wants to, to control. My thoughts, my heart are all under the lordship of Jesus. That's what he's getting at. That's the way he said, man, if you can control that, man, you can control the whole body. We just let the Lord do a work in our heart. A lot of times that tongue is the litmus test of how much work he's been able to do and what work is still left to be done in our lives. So James provided a way to, to measure spiritual maturity here. And, and what are ways it says, if anyone um, stumbles in word, what, is the, what are ways we can stumble in word? By the words we speak. Think about that. Well, we had the message on pride. We can boast. We can exaggerate. We can give self-selective reports and kind of lift ourselves up, put others down. We can grumble. We can complain. You ever think about that one as being a, a failure of the tongue? Because when really, really when we're complaining, that's a left-handed way to saying, God, I'm not thankful for what you've given me, and I don't believe you're sovereign. It's really what that is. Then there's the obvious, gossip, slander, cruel words, lies, two-faced speech, cursing, obvious ways for there to be failure there. So we get the picture. Verse 3. Verse 3, James then goes into this examples that he's going to give, and he's going to give three. And he starts with the horse, that we can put a, a bit in the mouth of a horse, and they obey us, and we turn the whole body of this animal. And we know that on our own strength, there's nothing we can do to make that huge 1,000-pound-plus animal, whatever they weigh in their magnitude, do what we want. We can't overpower a horse in our own strength. But with that bit and the proper training, it's taught and tamed, if you will, on how to be steered and obeyed. Beautiful picture that God's given here. And then he goes further, if that wasn't enough, and talks about a ship. And of course, back in, in these days, they didn't have motors and stuff like we do. They were talking about the wind. So it's, it's pushed along by the wind, and these ships are steered by this, this plank underneath the boat, small in comparison to the size of the ship, that guides this whole big massive vessel. Just by the little turning and swaying. Guys, that's what the tongue he's pointing at can do in our life. So, we can be steered in a good way or in a bad way with our tongue. 
And the result of that, or I guess the cause of that would be a better word, is what's in our heart. All right? So we're following God's word here. So he says, likewise, the tongue makes great boasts. And this word for boast here isn't just talking about prideful, arrogant utterance. It's talking about impact. The tongue has great impact. The name of our church is impact. And what is impact? It means we, make a, we want to make a difference. If you're an impact player in a game, that means your, your uh, existence, your ability on the field change the outcome of that game. You're an impact player. That's, that, that's our prayer, that Lord, through your strength, through your power, that you would use us to make an impact, to make a difference in the lives of people, that we would build your kingdom, right? So to make an impact, our tongue makes an impact. And it can be either good or bad. So what kind of impact is our tongue making? Some would say, man, this is such a, this is such a, a huge thing. This is so pivotal, man, that maybe it's better if I just don't talk at all. <laughs> Some might get that, that idea. But let's go back to this example James gave of a horse and a ship. Does it mean that it's best for the horse just to stay in the barn? <laughs> no. It's a beautiful animal. It could be used for joy and good and to be productive. How about the ship? Should we just keep it at dock so we, so we don't mess it up and go the wrong way? No, because it's useful. And that's what God wants our tongues to be, is useful, not just clamped down, not hiding, but definitely not used for evil. So when you look at a horse, when you look at the ship, that, that bit doesn't move itself. That rudder doesn't move itself. What's doing it? Somebody behind it. You see, that's what God wants to do. God wants to be the one that steers the ship of our tongue. God wants to be the one that pulls and guides the reins of our tongue through our heart. All right? And that's where we've got to give the reins over to him. Because if he's not running it, guess who is? Me. You. We're guiding our own ship. We're lighting our own life. And we already talked about what, what God said about that. You want to save your own life? You want to run your own life? You're going to lose it. You're going to end up in the wrong place. But if you'll just surrender it, give it to me, give me control of your heart and your life, I'm going to guide the ship. I'm going to direct the reins of the horse in a place that's good and healthy and uplifting. And you're going to miss out on a lot of the destruction of what a tongue led the other way can do. So, you talk about steering. Think about just negativity as well. Negativity in your speech. Like, the glass is always just half full. Maybe even a quarter full. Ain't even half full. You ever, ever been in situations, moments like that? I mean, we all have. But has that kind of negative thought and attitude and speak, speech taken over your life? Are you an overwhelmingly negative talking person where nothing's good, nothing's right? And even if something good happens, you just wait for it to go away so the bad could happen. That just, you just think there's nothing good ever going to happen in your life. You think the only bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. And it's easy for us to be in circumstances and think that way. But when this kind of negativity takes over our mind and our heart, it comes out in our speech. And it's proof and evidence of what's going on inside. And if we're not careful, when bad things happen, especially repetitively, the enemy will use that to make you think that your whole life is bad. Did you know that? He's going to whisper lies in your head. and He's going to take you off course if he can. So we, not, we can't let him. 
Some people, he gives them a, a warped self-image where they don't think very much of themselves. And they speak negative even about themselves where they don't think anybody likes them. They don't think anybody wants to be around them. They don't think anybody needs them. And if we're not careful, that warped self-image can give us a warped image of God. That we don't believe, again, that God is good. That he has our best in mind. That he designed us. And that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we can lose the whole picture that God wants us to exist in through lies and negativity. Guys, that needs to be broken. And the only one that can break that is Jesus. And through his truth and through his spirit and his work in our heart and our life. And it takes time. But God is faithful and he can do that. So radical change happens and it's evident when the tongue changes direction. And then when the tongue changes direction, it changes direction of the whole ship, of the horse. That's our life, guys. That's what he's pointing to. He wants to lead us into a hope-filled life. And then he gives the third example. We're getting down into verse 5, and he starts speaking about the tongue as a, as a fire. See how great a force a little fire kindles. And then the tongue is a fire in a world of iniquity. And we talk about this fire and what a fire and a spark can do. You know, there's a nursery rhyme out, and you all know it and hear it. The sticks and stones may, bake, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Hogwash. That's a lie. I mean, it'd be a, it was a well-intended nursery rhyme to try to strengthen people in times where they're feeling down from people's hurtful words. But the, but the truth of that is it's not true. It is not. Because words will still hurt and scar and damage long after a bone can be healed. Long after. So we know that our words can hurt. Words that people have said to us can hurt. So how do we overcome all that? Again, we've talked about these the horse and the ships, but then this, think about this, a huge force destroyed by a tiny spark. And we've seen examples of that in reality where large, huge forest fires start by something so simple and small. Supposedly out in California, uh, back in the, I, I it was before the 2000s, there was this forest fire that burnt over 400,000 acres. You know how it started? By the spark of a hammer hitting a nail. That's crazy. And we know examples of people that have had huge forest fires, wildfires started just by one match, which blows my mind because it takes me a whole box of matches and half a gallon of lighter fluid to light a campfire. So I don't, I mean, maybe that's a personal problem. I don't know. But the point is that even a simple spark, a single match can just do mass devastation. Guys, a single word, a single conversation, a single untamed tongue can do mass damage. It's not intended, and we know that, and we've seen that. Many of us have felt that in our life. So that's where James continues in this passage and starts pointing out the tongue as an enemy, that it's actually a foe if we're not careful. It can ruin the whole person. It can ruin your whole life. It could do lots of damage, collateral damage everywhere. So it needs to be controlled, and we need to see it as a potential enemy that needs to be controlled. You wouldn't just let a burglar go through your house and do what he wants, and harm your family and take your stuff. Well, why would we let the burglar of our tongue ruin our whole life? Destroy our marriages. Destroy our kids. Destroy our, our, our homes. Destroy our churches. James is clear here again. A wild animal can be tamed. We've tamed all kinds of wild animals. We've even tamed that horse. You've seen 
Examples of people taming tigers and alligators and all kinds of stuff. That's crazy to me. I don't know why anybody would stick their head down and kiss an alligator. But people do it, and we tame all kinds of wild, dangerous stuff. But he says, no one can tame the tongue. What does he mean? Well, that's a useless cause, Brad. Why are we having this whole message? He means no one can tame the tongue on their own. Only the Spirit of God, through the work in the heart of our life, directing the rain, steering the rudder, staling out the fire, stifling out the fire, can control the tongue. Only Jesus, only through the Spirit of God can we even have that potential. And that's what he's pointing at right here. Proverbs 10, 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I encourage you, go do a word study on the tongue and words, gossip, complaining. Go do a word study on all that and see all the examples that Scripture has. It is a huge, glaring warning in Scripture. Huge. And we overlook it because we like to look at the big sins, don't we? We like to look at the other stuff as being really sin, but this stuff is not really sin. That's just like a, eh, everybody does it kind of deal. No, no. This is a monster that needs to be tamed. James calls it a restless evil. It's deadly poison. When you think about something that's restless, it's impulsive. It's ready to jump, right? Kind of like you think you see me on stage every week, like I'm ready to just jump, right? Have you ever had an impulsive tongue? Then again, just in a situation and you, you know, somebody just pushed your buttons too much and all of a sudden, blah, and you just jump out at them and you let them have it. And then inside you feel justified. Like, yeah, they deserved all that. I've been waiting to tell them, give them a piece of my mind anyway. But inside of that, what did you and I just do? We just sinned. Because we did something and hurt somebody and said some things where our mouth should have been under control of the Lord. You ever done that and blurted something out in a moment and you wounded people? Like really bad. You ever done that and lost your job? Well, boss, you can take this job and shove it. And then you go home, hey, honey, I um, quit my job today. Oh, really? How are we going to pay the bills? I don't know. And in a moment, in a quick, impulsive outburst, you've done something you really maybe wish you could take back because you didn't do it in the right time and in the right way. You ever had that outleash from your tongue and maybe it even scarred your character or your reputation with people? And you'd be like, where did that come from, man? I don't know. I just kind of came out. Let me tell you where the Bible says it come from. It come from your heart. You mean, oh, that's not my heart. I mean, no, 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 no. I didn't mean to say it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just it. You didn't mean to say it, but it was in your heart. And that's where Jesus is very clear that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God needs and wants to do a transforming work in our hearts and our life. And it's evidenced a lot through our tongue, all right? So James continues, this tongue can be used for good. It can be used to bless our Lord, but it can also be used for the lowest of evil. It can be used to curse men. It can be used to do harm and start a huge fire in life. 
It says, so how, do the mouth, how can out of this mouth become both blessing and cursing? And then James says, my brethren, do you see the love? Do you see the heart here? Do you see the, the, the aligned fellowship that like, hey, I'm with you. And James is almost like, man, I have these same struggles. I got the same, I got a tongue in my mouth too. So as I come to you and then preach this, man, God's been all over me this week. And I want you to know I got a tongue in my mouth too. Be like, yeah, we know your tongue causes all kinds of problems. We're late for lunch every Sunday. All right? But, man, we all are in a struggle with this together. And we all need the Lord to do a transforming heart transplant that affects our tongue. Do you know in Proverbs chapter 6, and I'm going to kind of move us through a little quicker, that, that the Lord says that there's six things he hates and seven is an abomination to him? Think about that. There's some things that God really hates. That just, that's a whole sermon for another day. All right? But in these seven things that he lists, all of them are heart motive issues. Every single one of them are heart motive issues. All right? And one of them, it starts with a, a proud look. That's pride. We had that message. God detests the proud. All right? But then also there's hands that shed innocent blood. There's feet that quickly run to evil. But did you know the other four have to do with the tongue? Four out of seven have to do with the tongue. One of them, a lying tongue, spreading false truths. How about a heart that devises wicked schemes? Yeah, it starts with the heart, but how do we devise a wicked scheme? How do we plan it out? Our tongue. Make that plan, a wicked scheme to take someone out. They hurt me. They did this. How about false witness against your neighbor? That's one of the Ten Commandments not to do even. That's with your tongue. How about the last one? This is the seven. That's the abomination. Causing dissension among the brethren, a.k.a. causing division among God's people. Where do we see that happen a lot? Church. Satan wanted to use our depravity and our sinfulness and our tongue to cause division in the bride of Christ. And we've seen examples of the tongue do all of this, where families are destroyed, whole churches are taken out with the tongue. And we know how it starts. It goes a little something like this. Somebody doesn't like something that happened or, or someone, or they have a false kind of perspective of what really happened. So they start spreading partial truth lies out of bitterness and hatred to other people, and they start to gossip. And then someone who only knows 50 or 60% of the story or less, and they don't know the why of what really happened and how things went down, they feel the freedom and violation of Scripture to gossip. And even to voice it out of concern for prayer, or we need to, we need to have some, some passion, some compassion on somebody, or as a prayer request. And then before you know it, Relationships divide. Marriages are fallen. People hate each other that once liked each other, even loved each other. People leave churches, and churches divide, and there's no longer people to staff and work, and so the church starts limping. And do you know who wins in all that? Satan. Just sitting back laughing. He's like, man, I ain't even have to do much to ruin that, did I? Guys, our tongue can cause a lot of trouble. And God's very clear that he hates it, especially when it goes to the point of causing division among God's people. That's an extra. You know, there's not many things in the Bible that God calls an abomination. Contrary to, to popular belief, not all sin is equal in the eyes of God. 
There's some he calls an abomination. It's unthinkable. That's one of them. To divide a church with your tongue and your gossip. You ever had someone slander you? You ever been in a situation where some untrue things were said about you, your character, your family, your church? How did it make you feel? Did you feel worse when some of the people that were told believed it? And next time they see you, they turn away or they, they leave or they don't come to family gatherings now or, or, they, or they leave the church or, or whatever. You just fill in the blank. How did it make you feel? Does it hurt? Especially when you know a lot of those things were, were, were false, were partial truths and, and were not right. Here's the problem. When the person comes back one day and says, I'm sorry, once it's over, if they even get to that point, you can't take it back. The damage is done. That forest is already burned down and will need to be regrown, and it can't be pulled back. So when we see these, the aspect of this tongue and this idea of burning stuff down, really two ways is through gossip and through grumbling. And again, we always look at other, the big stuff, and, and, and think all that other stuff's sin, and this is really not. And, and it is the deepest and biggest of sin that's most common in the church today, is gossip and complaining. That's grumbling. And God hates it. Guys, did you know we have a dual responsibility? We have a dual responsibility here. And it's not to give it and not to receive it. Did you know that? Yes, our responsibility is not to gossip, not to complain. But did you know your responsibility is also not to receive it? And how many times has somebody come up and just started in a conversation about someone or a situation that you are not a part of or not a direct solution of? If that's the case, if you're not a direct part of that or a direct, or direct solution to it, then you and I should politely tell that person, hey, stop, I see you're hurt. And this is inappropriate where this conversation is going. And I hope you haven't shared this with anybody else. I want you right now to put a clamp on your tongue. And I want you to call that person right now, right now in front of me. This person that you're, I want you to call them. We need to get this right. And I want you to go to them. Send them to that person. Boy, that takes some spiritual maturity, doesn't it? And you will, nine times out of ten, you will not be um, met very politely with that. Because obviously that other person is hurt and feels the need to scar and wound. I've heard it said, man, if we don't let our hearts heal and from problems that have happened, we'll bleed on people that didn't cut us. And man, that's what's going to happen. And that's where, that's where Satan gets in and just brah, destroys families, homes, kids, churches. The tongue. It's an evil. It's an enemy if it's not controlled. So let's guard that. Let's not give it and let's not receive it. And we know complaining, where I talked about, is an underhanded way to be ungrateful to God. Look at the Israelites in their, after their exodus, after everything God had done for them. And what did they start doing? Mumbling, complaining. God brought us out here to die. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. <laughs> Man, how many, I mean, that sounds funny, but how many times do I do that? I do that a lot. After knowing everything God has done in my past and done for me, and I get in bad situations, I start complaining like God owes me something. You ever done that? Maybe y'all just way more spiritual than me, but I do that. I feel like an Israelite sometimes. Man, and God doesn't want us to have that attitude. God wants us to, to correct that from the inside out so that the complaining doesn't happen, that we look for the thankfulness of what we do have. We can't praise both God and curse man. We got to watch our tongue. Ephesians 5 verse 4, I, I'd heard a very 
spiritually mature person that's in ministry um, a few years back talking about a little bit about the tongue and just about cursing and, and unrestrained talk and speech and all that. And, and they were like, man, God really doesn't have anything much to say in his word about cursing. You know, I, I know a guy that he curses all the time like a sailor, but I know he loves the Lord. I'm like, <laughs> what? What Bible are you reading? Because this is not mine. I mean, seriously, listen to Ephesians 4. We've already heard what um, God had to say in James. How about Ephesians 5, 4? Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. This is Ephesians 5, part of chapters 4, 5, and 6, where Paul is, after first chapters 1, 2, and 3, talked about who Christ is, who we are in Christ. And now chapters four, walk in a manner worthy of calling, what it looks like to live out the Christian life. One of the things he comes at right here is our tongue. And it has to be under control of the lordship of Jesus. It's not about do's and don'ts. We need to let our tongue be used for good rather than harm. Our speech needs to be consistently glorifying to God. We're gonna mess up though. We're gonna mess up. We're never gonna be perfect, right? Remember that, we read that. But our striving to the lordship of our heart to control our tongue should be foremost in our life. James concludes the passage as we close in verses 11 and 12 by pointing back to this link between the tongue and the heart. The same thing that we talked about at the beginning that Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he talks about how it's impossible for a tree to give a different kind of fruit than what it is. It's impossible for a well that's supposed to be fresh to give salt water. It doesn't happen that way. So in other words, if consistently there's bad fruit and consistently there's bitter water coming forth, it means there's no contradiction that what's inside the tree, what's inside the well is tainted. I don't mean the occasional mess up, slip up. We all can do that. We've talked about that, and I hope I've said that numerous times. But if that's a repetitive habit in an unrepentant heart and a consistency that's being dropped out, then the heart needs a transformation. It needs some work done on it. So, really want to know what's deep down in your heart, your character, your attitude, where you are in the transformation process with the Lord and in the fruits of the Spirit? Be mindful of how you talk. It can be the litmus test. It could be the, the light on the dashboard that something's going on deeper inside. And you just don't treat the symptoms of your tongue without going deeper and getting the spiritual MRI of what's going on in your heart. That'll never fix it. You've got to get to the core root of the problem and let God do his work. I want to read Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37. And I just want you to listen to what the Lord has to say as we close. And I just want you to hear this and let the words of Jesus himself speak. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. Boy, that's pretty strong. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
So, how do we break this? How do we break it? Starts with a transforming of mind that leads to a transformation of heart. We've got to transform our mind, guys. If anyone's in crisis, a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. We've got to get the old out and let the new come in. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we've said it and said it again. I don't need to say it again, but we need to not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't follow the culture. Don't follow what everybody else is doing. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Put the good stuff in. That means it matters what we watch. It matters what we listen to. It matters who we hang out with because all that stuff is going into our mind. And whatever goes into our mind, there's a supernatural thing where it gets downloaded to my heart. And whatever's in my heart and your heart comes out in my words and my actions. That's why God wants to start right here, and it's through surrender, and it's repentance. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action, 100%. That's why God wants us to have is that attitude of repentance where he can start to do a transforming work in our life. It's all for his glory. So first, transform our mind and our heart. It's number one on how we break it, through Christ and his word. Number two. Listen to your words. It'll start to tell you maybe what's going on underneath the hood. Is there a stress fracture in your heart that needs to be taken care of? Is it always negative speech? Is there negative uh, talk about yourself? Is there always negative talk about others? Is there a, a woe is me? What is it? What's going on? What work does God need to do underneath the hood? Number three, determined to work on these core issues. Whatever God brings to the surface, work on it. Don't ignore it. Man, let God transform it. Deal with it. God is faithful. Man, that's why we have groups here to help you out that, that we want you to get plugged into. Chain breakers. We have Celebrate Recovery. It's not just for, for addicts. Everybody thinks that's just for, for, the, for people hooked on alcohol or drugs or, or whatever. No, it's for every um, habit, hang up, or anything that's holding you up and holding you back. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's, it's negativity. Maybe whatever it is. Determine to work on the core issues. You weren't meant to do life alone. You won't do it by yourself. Get in church consistently. Get connected. Get in groups. Serve. Know people. That's why God made the body to transform us, to help transform us through his spirit, through his work. We need help. And the last one, commit to bring your tongue under the lordship of Jesus. Commit to bring your tongue under the lordship of Jesus. I just want us to bow our head and close our eyes right now as we close up completely. And I wonder if this would be your prayer right now after this, because it was my prayer, because I had to let the Lord work in me, because I had some things under the hood that needed to be dealt with, and I needed to be honest with the Lord about it. How about you right now? Would Psalms 19, 14 maybe be your prayer like it was mine? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I'm going to read that again. Would this be your prayer, church? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Maybe your prayer right now is... Lord, I had no idea that the words I speak reveal so closely what's in my heart. Help me to restrain my tongue while you transform my mind and my heart so that then my tongue changes the direction and course of my life and others around me for the good and for your glory. Boy, that'd be a great prayer right now, wouldn't it? I needed it. How about you? So let's do that. You see, God's not interested that we just get all this cool information and learn some great stuff. 
God's more concerned that we take this word and we become doers of the word and not hearers only. That we allow him and his word to radically transform the direction of our heart and our life. That's what church is about. That's what making disciples is about. That's what God wants to do in you. He wants to do something radically in your life that the, the enemy and the world are trying to destroy and tear apart. He wants to take something like your tongue and use it for good to give you life and those around you. Would we surrender it to his lordship right now? And maybe you're here and you might honestly just say, Brad, man, to this point in my life, I've never surrendered my life to the Lord. He can't have control over my tongue because he doesn't have control over my heart, and I know it. And you may just be honest and be like, Brad, I've come in out of church doors my whole life. I even prayed a prayer one time way, way back when. But there's never been a change in my life. I've, I, I've never surrendered, and I've never actually felt the presence of God to want to do anything. Maybe you might be honest and say, I know a lot about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. If that's you, would you want to just surrender to him today? Would you do that right now? Just be like, Lord, man, I'm ready. Take me, all of me. Waving that white flag. When you wave that white flag of surrender, that don't mean you're taking anything with you. You're giving it all away. That's what God wants you to do right now. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer and do business with God right here today and give him your life. Or if you are honest, you might say, Brad, man, there was a time I've done that before. And, man, I was walking with the Lord, and I was on fire for Jesus, man. And I know there was proof of the Spirit in my life. But, man, then life happened. And, man, things got tough. And, man, I got deceived. And I've, I've drifted. I've walked away. And I want to come running back to Jesus like the prodigal son today. If that's you, I want you to do that. I want you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart. Do business with the Lord and let him do something in your life right now for his glory. So to receive him for the first time or rededicate your life boldly and unashamed, just do business with God. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if your heart is right, oh, yes, oh, yes, your heart is right, you're ready to entrust and commit, then, yes, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord right now. Do it today. For the first time and rededicate, just say, dear God, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've messed up. I'm in need of you, my Savior. And I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. And Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, the spotless lamb, the one who died in our place. His body was broken and his blood was shed that I could be forgiven, restored, renewed. Lord, thank you for that gift. And Lord, I want to fall under the blood and be forgiven. And thank you for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God, that he stands in victory over hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim that same victory right now in my life and walk in it. And Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward, every step I take and every breath I make will be for your glory and yours alone. Lord, you have me, you have my heart, you have my mind, you have my tongue. Lord, use me. Amen. If that's you, you did business with God right there today for the first time or to rededicate your life. Would you just boldly and unashamed raise your hand and say, Brad, I did business with God today. I see you. And if I don't, it doesn't matter. God does. We're going to close our service like we do every week here at Impact. And I'm just going to ask you, to put action with your feet to whatever God's doing in your heart. So let's stand to our feet and let's sing with all our heart and with all our voice. And whatever it is, let's just come as the Lord leads. Maybe you made a decision for Jesus today. Maybe um, you just need prayer. There are pastors up here. We can talk with you, pray with you. 
Maybe it's a loss of a, a, a loved one, a, a financial situation, a relationship, whatever it is. Maybe you just want to talk about joining the church. Whatever it is, just come right now as the Lord leads. Change my heart, oh praise Jesus for the transforming work that he does in our heart and our life through his spirit, through his word, and because of what he did on the cross. Thank you, Lord. So let's take this word today. Let's go make an impact for Jesus. How? By speaking life into somebody, not letting our tongues be used for evil, to tear down, to complain, to grumble, to gossip, but to speak life and hope into our family, into our friends, into our church, and into our community. I promise you, God will do an amazing work if we can surrender to him like that. See you next Sunday.